Hey, Outlander Cast Clan. Caswell Massey wants you to see how great their fragrances are. And in fact, just for Outlander Cast listeners, you can get 40% off any of their full-size fragrances right now through the Saturday. Get that last-minute shopping done. Head on over to CaswellMassey.com and enter O-C-X-M-A-S. That's like Outlander Cast Christmas at checkout to get that 40% off your purchase. Once again, O-C-X-M-A-S. Hi, this is Jen from Illinois. You're listening to Outlander Cast with Marion Blake, the best Outlander podcast in the history of podcasts. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. How's it going? My name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and wow, Jen, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if we're the best podcast on the whole entire planet. If you wanted to say maybe the best Outlander podcast, I think I'd be happy to do either go way, along to get we are along. Thankful, but thank you either way. That just made my night. That was right? excellent. So sweet. You know, so, so and sweet. I was also thinking too. Obviously, this is a listen to feedback episode, but the more and more that I hear the new song from from Outlander for season four. The more that I, I just, I fracking love it. I know. I just, I just think it's such a, it's, I don't know, it's just such a good feel for what they're doing. And I just love the musicality of it. You know what I mean? Agreed. I totally just, agree. I, I just, I appreciate it more and more and more. It, it reminds me of the leftovers when they changed the theme to uh, Let the Mystery Be. And I was like, at first I hated it. I couldn't stand it. And all of a sudden now I find myself listening to it for like, fun for fun exactly <laughs> how many of you had that happen to let us know just choose a little message and say i too am now listening to this song just for fun well before we of course dive into the show we just want to remind you that you can find us and subscribe to the podcast and follow us all sorts of places because who knows maybe you're new here if you're new here hi how's it going you can find us on facebook twitter instagram youtube all by searching the title outlander cast or at outlander cast for our handle you can become an official member of the outlander cast clan at outlandercastclan.com there you get all sorts of awesome things like extra after doc podcast episodes access to special outlander cast giveaways you'll hear a bit about that later tons of fun stuff tons of fun stuff so head on over outlandercastclan.com and we also wanted to remind you that the Outlander cast season four finale party is happening. It is happening in this, our little proud state of Rhode in Rhode Island on January 27th, the day of the finale. And guess what? Chicken butt. Tickets are on sale. First, right now, they're absolutely on sale right now for patrons. Patrons and the members at the OutlanderCastClan.com have the first lick at it right now. The cost for those of you who want to get it before the new year, before the new year, the early bird rate for these tickets are going to be $75. After the new year, it's going to be $85. So we're, we're, we're giving the people at OutlanderCastClan.com the first lick at it. It will be there for a couple of days just for them. But after that, if you want to get your tickets... Uh, if you're just you know if you're not part of the clan over there, that's okay. It will still that early bird special still be open for you until 
January 1st. And then after January 1st, it, uh, the price goes to $85. So that is the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Set the date, mark the calendar, book the cruise. I don't know what you got to do, but we are having that finale party, and I'm so excited about it. Marvin, are you excited about it? I'm pumped. I'm wicked pumped, too. I'm pumped, man. You know what I'm more pumped for? Tell me. Some more Frank talk. <laughs> Just some more Frank talk because I feel like I didn't get enough of Whitney in my life. And I, no? You, you're not, you're not going to go along with me for, for the Whitney? I'm digging it. I'm digging it, man. I know you love yourself some Frank. <laughs> All right. You ready, to, you ready to get into this? Yes. All right. Let's do it. First things up on the website, we have Allison. How do you say her? her she, I know her as Allison Fisher. It says Indaburu. I'm going to believe it. Sure, why not? But I know who you are, Allison. I know you. She said, oh boy, this episode really has me split. On one hand, I absolutely loved it. But on the other, I just can't help feeling like the writers are going off trail and wandering a bit. My kilt rating is a 4.925. Oh my goodness. There's only one reason it is not a subtle at five, and I'll get to that. Her good was actually leery. She didn't think that they... Um, and since they couldn't go to Lolly Brock correctly because of Laura Donnelly's absence, the shift to the Leary plot line was a very interesting and informative change. Plus, Nell Hudson does a fabulous job going from kind and motherly to boil the money in the pot crazy. <laughs> she is extraordinarily talented and I enjoy her scenes. Her bad. I won't be ignored, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good Fatal Attraction reference. Wow. You know what? I That, that is... Wow, that is fantastic. Way to go, Allison. That, oh my God. This must be the earliest outstanding I've ever given. And thank you for the Fatal Attraction reference. New record. Allison's bad was that she could not help but feel that much of this episode was a colossal waste of time, that we simply don't have any ways because stars only gave them 13 episodes to begin with. She loved this episode, don't get it wrong. She loved it, but there was so much time wasted here. I can't find a way to justify it, even though I love what they did. In the back of my mind, I just feel they should have tidied it up somehow. I wish, even without Jenny, that they could have spent more time at Lollybrock. I know why the writers changed this part of the story, but I just feel like we needed more at Lollybrock. And for that, I can't give it a five. And Allison's great was Frank. She actually was so happy to spend time with Frank that it caught her by surprise. To see so much from his point of view and to realize what he knew before telling Claire he wanted a divorce, it put so many layers on his story and informed so much about Bree's initial bratty attitude in season two. Now when we go back to the first meeting with Bree, we'll understand the guilt she's carrying in her heart about Frank and why she's so outwardly resentful to her mother. There's so much to unpick there after seeing this episode. But my greatest great is Frank at the dock. I can't even think about it without tearing up and getting all weepy. The look of pride and encouragement he gives Brie hits me so hard in the mommy bone, I can't handle it. Our job as parents is to raise our children to be capable of making this journey called life. And he has done so well raising up his little girl into a capable and bold 
woman. She's taking on a particularly challenging journey and he could not be more of a proud papa. And for her to see that, it gives her the impetus and courage to go forward knowing that even though she didn't get to say goodbye, he'll always be with her. And he has given her his blessing to her going on and finding her mother and Jamie. Allison says she has to go wipe her face. That's it. I loved it. Even though Stars has once again shot themselves in the foot by not giving us the time we need to tell this story more feel fully. Loved it. Oh, one more thing. Mary, I make my bed every night and immediately get into it. I can't sleep in an unmade bed. And if I make it early in the day, my three-year-old will go and destroy the bed after I make it. So I do it right before bedtime. Allison, good for you. Allison, th- I, I love it. J- this whole comment. Seriously, dude, that was the every, oh, everything. That that's my whole life right there. That that is awesome. All right, Ned chimes in says, "Dear Miriam Blake, I would like to point out the fact that Brianna blames herself for Frank's death, and here she is trying to prevent the deaths of her remaining parents. Poor Brianna. And let's not forget that Roger knew about this death notice and hesitated in telling her. Yes, she's here, and she'll do her best to warn Jamie and Claire. But if Brianna ever finds out that Roger knew first and considered not telling her." Talk about unexploded bombs. I do understand Roger's not telling her. I know it seems like a simple thing to prevent this fire. Just go visit Aunt Jocasta during January each year. But it might not be that simple because we don't know what caused the fire. Will it be revenge? Murder disguised as an accident? Could it be something to do with the Revolutionary War or the regulators, perhaps? You know a self-fulfilling prophecies, what they are. And Brianna brought matches with her essentially see you could change the date in the method of the deaths but not necessarily the deaths themselves so roger has reason to stay quiet because if brianna should come back from the past and the obituary is still in existence she'll feel like she failed to save them so of course roger wanted to keep her away just as you would want them to hold back from running into a burning building so these two have a very serious conflict coming, and they don't realize it yet. Poor things. Oh my goodness gracious, Whoa. absolutely. And here, here's an even bigger time warp, mind-bending thing. Does the fire happen because Bree goes back in time? Oh. Right? And he's kind of alluding to that here. Yes. Right? But if she is going back in time, is that is is that the precipitous event of what causes the fire and the eventual apparent deaths of Jamie and Claire? She, yet she's going back. The irony is she's going back to save them. It, it's like it's time loops and and everything how it all works. I it, it will it will make your mind mincemeat if you keep Mince thinking meat. about. It. Yes, hold on to your butts. <laughs> hold on to your butts. So on Facebook, Brittany Jackson Brandy's wrote in horses blake yes horses uh we 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 actually said at the beginning of last episode this was the first horse of season four that a little bit of an explanation we we actually say that a lot on our podcast for this is us called this is us too uh we i and it, there, a famous saying up here in boston is i want horses not ponies and it's a sports thing Meaning, like you can't you can't trade a really good horse for three po- ponies and expect the fact that you're gonna get the same kind of value, mm-hmm. right? Three ponies ain't gonna make one good horse. Doesn't matter how many ponies you get, it ain't gonna make a difference, right? <laughs> Correct. So, the thing is, is I want horses for episodes. 
I don't, I don't, just because you get a bunch of pony episodes doesn't mean that it's going to make up for one good episode. And I feel like so far we've gotten close to horses. I feel like the, the premiere was probably the closest one. Um, but, uh, you know, this is the first big good horse. So I think uh, I think that's where it's that's at. That's where you're coming from. Yes. Well, Julie Green Gibson said, I liked the episode as I watched it. As a book reader, I understand why they had to make some changes. But after a second viewing and further thought, this episode really bombed for me. With only 13 episodes, what a waste of time. Reminded me of Claire and the Jamaica. Some really good stuff happening, but we didn't need that much. There's a bunch of inconsistencies here that I just couldn't get past. How is Roger so far ahead of her? And too much leg hair, but we all know who leg hair is, Larry. I was more interested... it was interesting for a win, a minute, but we really don't need that much there. Would have been much more interesting to see her at Lollybrock interacting with her cousins. Oh, and I called it. I figured they'd have Jenny off birthing a grandkid as a reason for her absence. Three kilts. Wouldn't it be a show I'd rewatch much, if at all? Interesting storyline, but when you only have 13 hours of storytelling, I felt like it was a waste of at least 30 minutes. Okay, I, and I actually, I see the reasoning. I get it. My question for uh, for Julie would be this: How did she feel about the previous episode? Right, because the the plot didn't move any any for, any more forward in the previous episode. That was just as much of a tangent in in just as much of a a a, 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 a prettily wrapped bow episode where things happen. But what are we doing? You know what I mean. Like I feel I like to the same. Agree with you. I think to the same extent things happen. I think you know what people have a hang up about is that Frank's dead. His storyline, for the most part, is dead. Um, and you know, like Leary is Leary. So why do we want to hang out with her so much when we could be hanging out with Jamie and Claire, who we love to hang out with Jamie and Claire? And Lord John Gray, he's not dead. Okay. Right, but my argu- I think my argument to that would be, or the counterpoint to that would be, those scenes aren't necessarily about Leary, or they're not necessarily about Frank. Those scenes are about what Leary and Frank bring out in Brianna. Agreed. And you're learning more about Brianna. And as, and as much as we all like you know, want to like her, we actually just haven't spent a whole ton of time with her. So we finally actually got a chance to dig in with her in this episode and and in 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 a in a singular fashion it isn't connected to roger do you know what i mean yeah this is just her and having that layering having that texture with frank and then even casting a little doubt about her dad perhaps about why he left that is from leary that is those are things that you that are that are given and made brought to light because of those characters do you know what i mean yes uh, this one comes from Claire Michelin de Brion. I loved this episode. I was really hoping that Leg Hair was going to redeem herself and be decent. I mean, Claire and Jamie totally care for Marceline and keep her safe. So, big disappointment in Leg Hair. I love how her younger daughter is totally not phased that her mom went loco and she just goes ahead and saves brie with really no big shock or awe at the situation growing up crazy (laughs) also i love brie but she studied history why would you say i can see my parents dying in a time that burns witches she doesn't 
even need to be a history major for that. Her mom told her about her experience. Dude, Brie needs to get it together ASAP. I'm very concerned for Brie. I don't really see her or Roger really roughing it. And they are more sitting by the fire having intellectual convos while sipping above par liquor types of people. (laughs) Sitting by fire having intellectual convos while sipping above par liquor. (laughs) Loved the boot choice. Uh, And leg hair is totally going to want a pair of those. Uh, excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. This one comes from Gemma Reinen. She says, I loved watching the Brie and Larry storyline because I was thinking they were leading up to a healing moment between the two families. I did not expect the bat poop crazy level Larry immediately escalated too. She seems so grounded and matured, matured, albeit a bit bitter. So I really thought she'd grown and they could start having a more peaceful understanding between the blended families. I guess not. <laughs> also, also, would someone so insanely Jamie-obsessed really kill Jamie's child? I'd have thought that it'd be more likely she'd kidnap her, if anything, and forces Bible stories, pigeon stew, and flowered <laughs> hair braids on her. <laughs> and Blake's comments about the interesting dichotomy of Leary's character makes sense, and so I am more forgiving of what I originally thought as uh, a bit silly, but still love, love, love loved this episode it brought back the magic of time travel and the scottish moors i totally agree and you know i had a conversation with with you mary about this when we were watching it and i was like you know i i feel like the um conceit of time travelers uh and the traveler in quotes for outlander is become watered down a little bit because we now we had Claire, we had uh, we had uh, Galus, we have Roger and Bree now. Uh, we have this guy with a silver filling that we've discovered. There's rumors of Master Raymond uh, being a, a traveler, perhaps maybe even the Comte being a traveler. Again, just rumors, hearsay. I don't know, but. I mean, like, what are we? How many people are traveling here? What are we doing? Is it getting watered down for you? Do you think? No, it's not. I don't think so. I said this in the last episode. The more time travels, the better. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the concept of the time travel. Yes. I love the conceit of. But time even travel. like, if you go back to the initial scene at the beginning of the season of seeing, um, you know, just. I don't, I don't know who was supposed to be depicting, but some kind of native people olden times ago, 2,000 years ago or so, yep. around the different stones. You know, just to show that time travel happens in different cultures and different places around the world. And I really like that. Christy Johnson wrote in on Facebook and said, I felt I was alone in loving this episode. No. So I was excited to hear your kilt readings. I'm a book reader, but let us all not forget, what is the number one commandment? The show is not the book. Bam! Just like that. A winner! I wish people would stop worrying about how this episode differed from the book and just appreciate it for what it is. A beautiful tapestry. Tapestry? Hey, tomato, tomato. I'm Ron Burgundy. Of one incredible character arc closing and another two character arcs beginning. I thought it was risky and emotional and just overall spectacular. Well, before we delve into this, we want to take a quick break and tell you a little bit more about today's sponsor. No, you know, because we've talked about it a lot, that Castle Massey, 
They're dedicated to care and quality. All their products are free of sulfates. Those things are nasty, guys. Phthalates, even nastier, and artificial additives. Wicked nasty. They are cruelty-free. So if you're a Wicked fur good. mama or a fur papa, did a fash. They're also made proudly right here in the United States. Wicked American. So with their expert craftsmanship and devotion to details, Castle Massey products are the perfect ready-to-gift products for the holiday season, especially if you're like Blake. And you like to do everything last minute. Exactly. <laughs> and with their wide variety of beautiful fragrances, they have something for everyone this holiday season. This week only, through Saturday, Caswell Massey is offering a special 40% off discount on all of their full-sized fragrances to Outlander Cast Clan fans. Get a cologne for your husband, a living floral for your best friend, a niche fragrance for your cousin. You can find a fragrance for everyone on your list at CaswellMassey.com. So to get your 40% off discount on all fragrances, simply enter the code O-C-X-M-A-S, like Outlander, Cra- Outlander Cast Christmas, Outlander Cast Xmas, O-C-M-A-S. You guys got this? O-C-M-A-S, O-C-M-A-S. <laughs> enter that out at checkout. And, uh, and you'll be able to get it at CaswellMassey.com. Guys, like I said before, this is a roadie-founded company. If you love this podcast, we're a roadie-founded podcast. We, we're in roadie. Support a fellow roadie person. Okay? That, that's, that's all I want to say. That's all, all right. I want to say. Back from the emails, Jeff wrote in. What did Jeff have to say, Blake? He says, while I'm happy for Blake that he got to see his man crush, Tobias Menzies... Although I personally never need to see Blackjack Rendell's face ever again, I was genuinely disappointed with the episode, at least in relation to the book. Overall, I felt that this episode, as well as Blood of My Blood, was rushed. Wow, that is a hot take right there. In an attempt to fit in a lot of plot points from the book, the episode missed the periods of suspense that made Drums of Autumn a wonderful novel. All right, time out, Marvin. Yes. Are you on, are you on this train or are you not on this train of what Jeff is saying? Missed the periods of suspense. I feel like the periods of suspense they've been a coming and they're <laughs> coming some more. Well, he's saying that he, he, the blood of my blood in this episode was rushed. Like, do you? And he's saying because of that, during this portion of the book, suspense has is missing. Are you? Do you think that they rushed this? No. No, you don't think so? I don't feel rushed. I've been feeling really good. As a matter of fact, I feel like they, they've taken their time pretty I well know, in these Jeff, past two episodes. What do you feel? What parts do you think were rushed? Right back in Lesno, or maybe well, just Well, here we reading. go. Okay. For example, the suspense of Brianna getting to Lally Brock oh. and revealing that she is Jamie's daughter, the wonderful relationship that was developed between Brianna and Jenny when Jenny was at first skeptical of her motives. But then Jenny acknowledges, I know, scheduling conflict that there was for Laura Donnelly, the struggle of Roger to get even a voyage to the Carolinas because he had no money. Although I found it strange from the book that he would have gone through the stones without preparing Agreed. with any money or gold or gemstones. Agreed. Even the issue of Roger discovering, confirming that Brianna is actually in the colonies and where she went. All right, hold on. Another time out. Yep. I feel like that is self-evident where she went. Of course she went to South Carolina. She knows that's where her parents are. It's That's that's self-evident. Yes, I would and, agree. And they. I, I feel like you, you got the suspense of... Uh, of Brianna revealing herself, but it was to to Leary, and I feel like that is far far more confrontational than it would be for Jenny. Am I saying that I don't want Jenny in this house? I want Jenny from the block all day long. 
give me some Laura from Donnelly. The Brock. Uh, yeah, Je- Jenny from the Brock. <laughs> I want Jenny from the Brock all day. I want Laura Donnelly in my life 24-7. But I feel like they did a really good thing here by getting Leary, someone with an actual conflict with 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 Brianna. And more importantly, they fixed all that crap with Roger. Roger, he had money. He said he had some. He had the gemstones. He went prepared. We don't need to see him freaking scuttling around trying to find a ride. Scuttling. This, this isn't dazed and confused, bro. Like this is what like Who's a bro? Uh, Roger? Uh, uh I think I'm talking to Jeff on this one. I have one. no idea who you're talking to right now. <laughs> Either way, I'm also confused about the timeline. Says Jeff. Obviously, all will be explained in the episode, but in the book, Roger follows Brianna many weeks later and certain things have happened to Brianna that are significant by the time Roger boards the boat with Bonnet as her captain. And the tension between Bonnet and Roger is developed in the book, which I found completely lost in the episode. All that said, I'm liking this season and loving your coverage of the season, perhaps even more than the show itself. Well, those Aww. are mighty fine words. Jeff, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I I feel like we, we have some tension here in places that are different from the book, but I think are just as successful, in my opinion. We got one from Christine. My darling, what do you got from Christine? Christine says, I really felt the need to write tonight with some positivity. There have been so many negative postings about this episode that I felt inspired. When I first read Drums, I wasn't a huge fan. I was annoyed with the Roger and Bree chapters, and I just wanted to get back to Claire and Jamie. It was their love, and Scotland, that drew me to the story, but with season two and three, I'm a changed woman. When Claire went back to Jamie in season three, I was compelled to reread drums and had such a different perspective on the story. I adore Rick Rankin, Q Mary's purr or growl, <laughs> <laughs> and I love him as Roger. He brings this man off the pages with humor and grace. In my humble opinion, Sophie has gotten a bad rap. She is playing Bree, the woman raised by Frank. You could take that any way that you want. And Sophie is playing the part of it very well written. Yes, we miss Claire and Jamie, but I think it is important that the show focuses on the story of Bree and Roger as well. Their importance unfolds with the story. There are people complaining about how much they still have to cover in the book. And I just did a little math. With the end of episode seven, there's about 46% of the season left. If you compare that to where they left off in the book, according to my Kindle, there's only 39% of the book left. Seems like they're right on track. How do you feel about that, that that quick math there? Now I believe, I believe in a thing called love. Hey, if the Kindle says it's 39% left, <laughs> I believe the Kindle. What if Alexa told you? Would you still believe, I would believe it? I would believe Alexa. I would believe Siri. I would believe everything. <laughs> you know, I, I would agree. The way that they framed the story for this season... And the way that they framed the relationship with Roger, I'm sorry, with with Frank and Brianna, it all makes sense. The choices that they've made, the choices that they've made for the story that they're telling in the show, they've condensed, they've streamlined. Like, again, Roger walking around trying to find a ride. Like, we don't need that. We don't need that. I'd much, I'd much rather see Bree, who really made the hard choice in going back in time Showing the determination, the hard-headedness, and the the sheer will to succeed and find her parents, her her birth parents, by you know going through the Scottish Highlands, getting hurt, still walking, walking till she passes out, and 
and dealing with freaking bunny boil and leg hair, I feel like that that's that's a good choice. Gross. It, it shows me the kind of person that Brie is. This one comes from Mo. She says, Blake was listing off the various qualities we saw in Bonnet and mentioned the scene where Bonnet soothes the crying baby. Yep. It sounded like Blake was implying this was a moment of surprising tenderness from Bonnet, which you're right, Mo. I was actually saying that. She, Mo, however, read it differently. Bonnet is standing in the background when the mother of the baby tells Roger, that's the first smile from him I've seen in days. He must like you. And I believe Bonnet overhears this and is compelled, possibly by jealousy, to try his hand at making the now crying baby smile. That little bundle of innocence can clearly see the sense, the bad news Bonnet, and only cries harder in Bonnet's arms. That will not do in Bonnet's mind, so he quickly moves to manipulate the child to his will, as he always does with everyone around him. And when he sticks his alcohol-soaked finger into the baby's mouth, it reminded me of when Bonnet forced his fingers into Claire's mouth to remove the wedding rings she tried to swallow. I believe the show is trying to tell us that his psychopathic character is always a perplexed onlooker to the world of love. He cannot earn the love of a baby naturally, as Roger can, so he settles for quieting the baby by force with alcohol. He cannot earn the true love of a partner, so he settles for stealing Claire and Jamie's symbol of love. And the idea of such a cold and loveless life almost makes me feel a little bad for the guy. His coin-flipping origin story reminded me of Two-Face yes. from Batman. Abso-freaking-lutely. Yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. However, though his life may have been rough, I have a feeling he will prove himself entirely unworthy of no sympathy any soon enough. Oh, hold on. I, wow. <gasps> I screwed that up. However, though his life may have been rough, I have a feeling he will prove himself entirely unworthy of sympathy soon enough. By the way, no apologies for the rhyme. Either way, Mo, just... Bam! Just like that. A winner! The, the listeners are killing it today. <laughs> Thank you. That This was enlightening, this, this whole interpretation of what you're trying to say. fan freaking Fantastic. All right, from the OutlanderCastClan.com, Angela Hickey wrote in and said, I have to say I was leery, ting, see what you did there, about this episode of your podcast. I knew you guys, especially Blake, would be raving about it, and I have been so heartbroken over some of these choices. I wasn't sure I could take all the effusive praise. However, I have to say... I'm glad I did. You helped me, Blake, to see this more from a show-only perspective, and I do understand what you saw and why you loved it. I think if I didn't know what was done, I might feel closer to what you do. I agree because I agree most of your with most of your points. I do highly disagree with your assessment of last week. That episode is fantastic to me. Also, it was about the growth of those characters' arc with each other, which all change. I can't believe you don't see that. Plus, all of these elements are forward facing. They shape the forward progress. All this week's were backward facing. Anyway, I'm really upset. <coughs> I'm really upset about what they have Sorry. done to Bree's perspective of Jamie and also the lack of wonder with connection with Jamie's family and her roots. Sorry guys, I'm getting sick. I know she is, so I'm saving her right now. But she understands that from my perspective, that means very little. 
I loved the Roger part of the story. My only wish is that we would have gotten more. And I disagree that you did. it did not inform Roger. It most definitely did. You saw a Roger begin to emerge that we have not seen yet. A rugged, heroic Roger. A grittier Roger. A Roger putting himself forward to a man that just threw a kid out of the window. He is shaking off all of his proper professor side and going into his survivor Highlander side that is in his blood but has been hidden until now. His bravery. That will be that will just keep emerging. It's the Roger we love. Thank you for all the insight. It was very helpful to me. Michelle Melville says, I make my bed every night right before I go into bed. Can't sleep in an unmade bed, but I am too tired and busy to make it before work. Oh, one of the things I, I forget uh, to say here is that uh, at the beginning of the episode, Mary and I will actually be watching the trailer along with you guys again. And I think this is something that we're going to continue to do for each of the listener feedback episodes. I think a, a, yeah. so many people loved it. We got a lot of <laughs> messages and emails, and I think we're going to do that again. So at the end of this episode, remember to watch it with us. Tina Schneider says, I agree that this episode missed the mark when it came to building a sense of who the father Bree is going to meet really is. Lally Brock time was cut way too short in lieu of time with uh, wandering and being nurtured by a crazy woman. It's so unnecessary. Closure with Frank was sweet, but the lack of Brianna's character understanding her real father and his life and family was a huge miss. I don't think it helped non-book readers become any more invested in Jamie and Bree's meeting. Bonnet was terrific, and Roger is certainly adapting, but I wonder if we're being set up for Brianna-Jamie conflict, and as a book reader, I sure hope not. I, I Before we get to the voicemails, I do want to say this. I actually hope that we do get Brianna-Jamie conflict. I hope that she is kind of let down by Jamie a little bit. Uh, I hope that she sees him and is like, that's not my dad. You know, do you know what I mean? Like she has to have this struggle within herself. That is an and she's and, and that puts her at odds, kind of with with Claire too, because Claire's like, "This is your dad," uh, and she's supposed to be really happy, and she meets him, and she's like, "Okay." That doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen, right? That sounds terrible. It's supposed to be terrible because by the end of the whole th- <laughs> by the end of the whole thing, she can look at Jamie as her dad the way that she did for Frank. That's the whole point. That's why it has to start terrible, Ugh, right? No. And I no. hope I hope there is conflict. I no. hope she I hope she doesn't necessarily like just run into daddy's arms and say duh, oh my god, duh. Like I I hope she doesn't do that. Well, and and more more importantly here, more importantly, I would say this. I don't necessarily care to learn about her obsession with her dad or this this understanding of her dad right now or in previous episodes because i have i have the rest of the season and future seasons to to have a, a relationship developed between Jamie and Bree i wanted to see and without even knowing it really but i wanted to see that loop closed on frank i wanted to see what happened and how and why she's such a daddy's girl would you be would you think that's a fair assessment no <laughs> you don't know i'm not i'm just not happy with your train of thought okay i mean that that's fine that's fine I, what I'm, all i'm saying is that it provides an arc it provides an actual I, emotional i understand arc. i understand and in okay it, let's just it, have other people talk all right <laughs> 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 oh 
All right, here we go. Hey, Mary and Blake. This is Laura from Kentucky. Um, been listening for a while. First time I've called in. I'm giving this a kilt rating of 4.8. The good Brie falling asleep, dream, dreaming of Daddy Frank, and then it turns into a nightmare because she wakes up at Leary's house. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Did not see that coming. The bad. There are some folk that say there was no room in his heart for a baron, and he sent your mother away oh. upon finding she was a child. Oh. Brie is actually buying this. Brie, realizing she's uh, worn out her welcome, goes to pack her things. What things? Just run. The second bad, 18th century was a nasty time to be alive. Any little thing could carry you away. Common cold, measles, typhus, smallpox, whales. Bonnet grabs that little girl in a Game of Thrones-esque Jamie Lannister move, looks back at the crowd, and pushes a little girl out the window. Oh, my God. Okay, can we address the elephant in the room here? The body movements and the hand gestures made me think that Bonnet was about to break into a rap lyric. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> Great. Oh, my goodness. I just screamed out loud when I watched it the second time. There is Claire's ring on Bonnet's pinky at the 43.46 mark. I knew he'd be wearing it. I'm so happy they explained Jenny's absence the way they did, leaving the door wide open for Jenny's return. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Yeah, there's absolutely no way that Jenny is not going to be returning to this show. It just, it just so happened that, you know, it just didn't work out. But Jenny's coming back. Of course she's coming back. She has to come back. We'll see. Okay. Hi, this is Angie from Seattle. I just wanted to do my kilt rating for the most recent episode, Through the Looking Glass. I give it a solid 4.8. My good was the comparisons between Frank and Leary and how they were both crazy. Like, it's easy to say that Leary's totally crazy, but Frank's been researching Claire's little like trip into the past for like almost 20 years. So equally crazy. (laughs) Um, My bad is that Jenny didn't make an appearance. Like I know how the contracts work. That's why the doctor regenerates every three years. That's why everybody died or moved at the three year season of Downton Abbey. But man, I wish she could have made an appearance. Um, It was such a bummer having her like, Oh, she's organizing her sock drawer. Um, My great though, is that Brie is finally on the boat. I'm totally ready to get this show on the road, get all of this, good stuff that's coming up going um i also really like the interaction between uh ian and um brie and honestly i really like the interaction between brie and leary and and joni i thought it was all super great um so looking forward to next season love you guys as always Mm. and uh it's raining cats and rats here i hope you guys have a great christmas Oh, thank you, Angie. And actually, Angie brings up something that I want to mention. And it's kind of um, in light of what Angela said earlier in the episode, which was Angie's like, she's finally on the boat. And the the comparison that I want to make to the previous week's episode is, you know, things happened in that episode, but where they began is where they ended. And at least in this episode, it may be looking back a tad, uh, in informing those characters, but the plot has moved forward in a big way. She's on the boat on the way out to South Carolina. I would say the same for last week. How so? I think big strides are made between Laura John Gray and Claire and um, Willie getting to see Jamie. I think that's a big deal, man. Big deal. But it doesn't necessarily move the plot forward. She was saying that was all forward-facing, and I, I kind of disagree. It, it was just in the same place it was in the same spot no okay 
Well, hello, Marian Blake. My name is Julian, and I'm calling from Brazil. First of all, I want to say I'm sorry about my bad English and everything wrong I'm going to say. No. But talking about this episode, wow, what amazing thing to see. It was incredible and amazing, and I'm saying amazing twice. And for that, I give a huge five. Well, my GBGs first, my good was to see a leery perspective of things. I know we hate her, but I was I, I like to see a different side of her mm. in her normal life. My bad, I had to say, I was uh, sad to see the Rogers ain't got no beer anymore. Really, I love his spirit. <laughs> well, and my great was to see the flashbacks of Brianna and Frank. That was amazing and helped us to understand her relationship with his father. And, well, I thank you for everything and... Oh, she looks like she got cut off there. Aww. But uh, but thank you. Thank, thank you. you, first of all, so much for calling. Don't ever apologize for accents. Blake and I have really, really thick accents, so never feel bad. If anybody should apologize for their accent, it's me. Hi, Blake and Mary. Uh, my name is Jamie. I'm calling from Oklahoma. I love your podcast, and I love all of the uh, the contributions on the blog from the different bloggers. Um I just wanted to talk about this week's episode down the rabbit hole, and I've noticed there's a lot of lot of haters about the episode about the complete changing from the books. But I, my opinion is that they could not have done the Lally Brock scene justice without Aunt Jenny. So I think taking it a totally different direction, I appreciated it. I love the Frank flashbacks. I love seeing that. I I enjoyed seeing Brianna out on her own seeing her making that journey alone so um <clears throat> i love seeing the development sort of, of of her character with frank those scenes with him um i also <laughs> for a minute hoped that leary had her old age had sort of quieted her bitterness but obviously that wasn't the case she's obviously one of the characters that we love to hate but um, just wanted to give my my opinion. Thanks. You guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you very much. Hi, Mary and Blake. My name is Cindy, and I'm from Michigan. I am a book reader and a show watcher. I am also a first-time caller. I watched this episode, and then I immediately watched it again. Because the first time I watched it, I was like, what are they doing to my book? I love the way that they handled the Rogers storyline, but the way that they handled the Brie line was so totally different that I just couldn't get past that the first time I watched it. So I took a deep breath, watched it again, and tried to be from a show-only watcher perspective. Once I settled down a little bit, I did start to appreciate the, the episode a lot more. I liked the parallel that they did between Leary and Frank and how they both loved someone that did not love them back. I loved the Frank and the Brie, uh, how we got to see more of their relationship and what happened the night that he died. 
So overall, I'm going to give this a 4.5 kilt rating. Um, my husband, who is not a book reader, also watched the show with me, although I do say, must admit that I don't let him watch it the first time with me because he asks me too many questions and <laughs> I just can't concentrate. Preach it. But when I asked him what he thought about the show, he was like, I loved it. And I was kind of surprised. And I said, well, let me tell you about the book. And he said, no, I don't want to hear about the book. I don't care about the book. All I care about is the show. And I really liked this one. So love your podcast. And thank you for all you do. Thank you. Well, I'm going to I'm going to say, you know what? Your husband gets this. Bam. A boy. Keep he's he's abiding by commandment. Number one, the show is the show and the book is the book. I don't know. Oh, it is working. This is such a cool little app. Yay! <laughs> First official greetings to you, Mary and Blake, and to all the Outlander clan. My name is Victoria, and I'm at least half a Celt hailing from New York City. About five weeks ago, I watched my first episode of Outlander Season 1, Episode 1, and I promptly got pulled down the rabbit hole. The effect it had on me was overwhelming and a little frightening. I think I can say I was becoming obsessionacht. I was near the end of season three when I discovered you and your podcast and began immediately with the first episode, going through almost each one for each season, determined to catch up before season four was over so I could be tuning in live, and I finally made it. I wish we could go back in time and discuss perspectives about Dougal Mackenzie, who I love and felt so misunderstood. Graham McTavish brought such emotional complexity to that role. Oh, Dougal, Graham McTavish, Mackenzie would have been the one for me. (laughs) Like Blake, it took me a bit of time, season one, to fall for Jamie. I'm just not a six-pack washboard type of girl. But Sam Hewen's acting never ceases to amaze. He is not just a pretty face. Amen. And I now admit and concur, it's true, Jamie Fraser is the king of men. What an archetype. What a beautiful role model Diana Gabaldon has given us. I had so many questions about so many little details that I finally picked up the first book to see if the answers lay there, and I am loving it, in some ways more than the show. Well, well, that's good. Thank you very much. And you know what? By the way, welcome to the family. Yes, That is great. I'm so glad. That's great. I can't tell you how many people have said, you know, I just went back and listened to all your episodes. (laughs) Listen to all of them. For which we want to apologize. I know. For the <laughs> earlier years. <laughs> the especially. early years. Um, by the way, I wanted to say that all these people are calling on SpeakPipe. Uh, I love this app, and uh, there, there, there isn't much usually uh, confusion about it. Um, but if you go to outlandercast.com and you just click on the engage button or the little button in the right t- top right hand corner, then it says uh, call us. You can call us right here on the SpeakPipe app. Hi, Mary. Hi, Blake. This is Bethany from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Hi, Bethany. This is not my first call this time, and I won't be nervous. I'm actually going to give my kilt ratings and my GBGs. Um, (laughs) So my kilt rating for this episode was 4.65 stars, and it all is based off of my GBGs. So my good is definitely the Scottish landscape, and as beautiful and amazing as it is, it reminded me a lot of season one, episode one, when Claire's voiceover Mm -hmm. opened up, you know, and when people get lost and everything and it was just oh, it was beautiful people my bad was that little girl getting tossed off that ship yes. i know it was accurate to the books but it was just rough for me to see like i felt roger's frustration and i'm just a little concerned for the writers um this was kind of why i did 4.65 kilts it's just because there's still so much more information and action and craziness that they have to fit in um as a book reader i know and so Oh, there's just still so much more to happen, but I trust them. I know they're going to work well with it. 
It's going to be fine. Um, and my great, my greatest of greats is Leary's reaction when Brianna looked at her and was like, yeah, I'm Claire Fraser's daughter. And Leary's like eyes and mouth and her just turning a slight shade of gray. And I was like, <laughs> this is great. And when Brianna was like, yeah, Jamie Fraser never loved you. I was like, you go, girl. But that's it for me. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Do, do you like how Bethany was trying to, conv- she's talking herself into the writers doing a good job for the end of this season. Mm-hmm. That was good stuff. Good job, Bethany. Hi, Miriam Blake. This is Brittany calling from Pennsylvania. Oh. First time caller, long time listener. Aww. This episode is a 4.7 for me. It was so good. So good. I just, Roger and Stephen Bonnet, amazing. I loved the everything on the ship. Stephen Bonnet is like deliciously villainous. Mm. He's attractive and charming, but at the same time, he has no boundaries. He just threw that girl off the ship with no hesitation. Um, my bad for the episode is Lizzie. <sighs> I just felt that it just seemed kind of out of nowhere and I'm a book reader so I was expecting to see her but mm-hmm. I'm hoping to get a little bit more um I don't know detail and more just more Lizzie so I feel a connection with her I didn't really have anything you know this episode um my great though is Frank it was so wonderful to see him again and Tobias is wonderful as always um and I loved the parallel between him and Leary um Though Leary uh, doesn't carry it with as much class as Frank did. Um, and I think it's just heartbreaking that Bree wasn't able to say, I love you to her dad. She didn't realize it was going to be the last time. And how many times do we do that? You know, we, you know, we're mad and we, you know, we walk away and huff and you never know when it's going to be the last time. So I think it, it explains a lot about Bree's character and her, the guilt she feels um, about that. I'm interested to see how that's going to play out, especially as she meets Jamie and, you know, has that new father-daughter relationship. So, yeah, 4.7 kilts. Lizzie, man, I just couldn't get into it. (laughs) But thank you. Yeah, well, I told you, Lizzie just felt it felt a little just tacked on. Although I feel like we're going to get a lot more Lizzie. Yeah, probably on the on the ride to 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 South Carolina. You'll get some. I've got a feeling. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Donna. Donna! Last week's great episode, this much-anticipated episode, was such a disappointment for me. I've been all over the board on my kilt rating, but finally settled on a 3.8 kilt. I did appreciate the nod to the book reader. Brianna's PB&J sandwich and Roger was driving the Morris Minor. My good was the whole Roger and Stephen Bonnet storyline. I think Ed and Rick are doing a fantastic job capturing the essence of their characters. My bad, it seems that Miss Goss took the Uncharted script, which I loved, that she co-wrote in season three and used it as a base for this episode. Brianna falling down, limping through the highlands, passing out, being rescued, then spending all that time with Leary. That was the disappointment. And she left the best part out. Brianna and Leary squabble, the pearl slap. I know Laura Donnelly was not going to be in this season, but why not spend some time at Lollybrook with her uncle Ian and her cousins? I did not even mind the Frank flashbacks. In fact, I rather enjoyed them. Well, all except for drunk Frank at his office. I was rather uncomfortable with that scene. 
My great, the last 30 seconds when Brianna looked and saw Frank smiling and nodding at her as if saying, soldier on, Brianna. Well, that's it for now. Thanks, Donna. Soldier on. I, I, the, the, I haven't seen this kind of widespread difference in an episode in quite some time. People love this thing and they freaking hated it. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Amy from Dallas, Texas, and it's my first time calling in. I enjoyed the Frank flashback much more than I thought I would. It was interesting to see Frank's final days from Brianna's point of view, and in particular, the reveal that Frank found Claire's obituary. This sheds an entirely different light on his behavior last season. I thought he was being selfish and vengeful. Now I see him as protecting himself and Brie. By starting a new life for them and distancing Brie from Claire, he was helping to ease the pain of what he thought was Claire's inevitable abandonment. I am not a fan of the parallel they are trying to force between Claire and Frank's marriage and Jamie and Leary's. Claire and Frank married in love. Frank stood by her when she came back and raised Brie more actively than most biological fathers did at that time. Leary and Jamie were never in love. Their marriage was orchestrated by Jenny and out of need. Jamie needed a purpose in his lonely life. Leary needed a provider. For all the investment the show has made in making Frank a richer and more sympathetic character, why would they water that down by equating him to a character they've marketed as an outlander villain? And why remind us of the giant plot hole they created when they had show Jamie marry Leary despite knowing she tried to have Claire burned at the stake? Mm -hmm. It seems the writers found themselves in a quandary when Laura Donnelly was unavailable. So they floundered around with this drawn-out Leary storyline. Thanks, guys. Preach it, girlfriend. Preach it. Hi, this is Virginia from Chicago with listener feedback for 407. So what was up with Roger's pants? They are short (laughs) slops, which are part of the standard 18th century sailor's dress, which was simply known as slops. If you saw, they are loose, three-quarter length pants that sailors wore for freedom of movement, but they could also be layered with britches underneath for added warmth. Ah. You'll also see that Roger's coat was short cropped, which for 1768 is a distinctly nautical fashion as the normal coat felt a knee length. In general, clean shave was normal too. It appears that Roger really committed to dressing like a sailor to help him get a job on a ship's crew since he knew how expensive transatlantic fare could be. Roger deserves a cookie for his commitment to his costume when choosing what to wear for a trip through the stones. I wish his costume could have a Batman montage. My great for the episode is that Brie really fleshed out as a character here. She drew the short stick of the non-linear storytelling paradigm because when we first meet her in Dragonfly and Amber, she's not the cute, happy kid we expect, but instead a grown child struggling with some life-altering events. We see her responses without knowing the triggers that form them. The show really invested some much-needed time in this episode in fulfilling her story. And while I might not always like Brie, from here on out, I will love her. Oh, ah, way to bring it! Oh my Good gosh, and job. I love the insight about the pants. You know, it's so funny. I saw that Terry Dresback had tweeted all of these pictures of pants from that time. Right, but that's what it is. Jamie's not hanging out on a boat. Yeah, he's not chilling out there. That. He gets sick. He can't even like be on the boat. He doesn't want to wear boat clothes. (laughs) Hi, Marion Blake. I'm calling all the way from Santiago, Chile. My name is Benarita, and here it goes. 
I just felt so bad for Frank this entire episode because it just made it so much worse to remember that last conversation that he has with Claire. Um, you know, when he says, might you have forgotten him? And she replies with, that amount of time doesn't exist. Like, he knowing that there's nothing he can do, that she is going to go back to him, to Jamie, it just, that amount of time doesn't exist, just validates everything that the, uh, all the information that the Reverend sends to him. So I just felt so bad for him. And then for having that conversation with Claire to going to Brianna and having that not-so-good conversation um and he's saying, I love you. She doesn't say, I love you back. And then he goes into this accident and he dies. It's just so horrible for him. Um, poor Frank. I just love Tobias Mansis. So I just, I would love to see him in the future. Um, and just my last thing, I mean, Stephen Bonnet is just amazing. He definitely gives me the same vibe as Black Jack Randall. But it's just so much weirder because Black Jack Randall was all the way through bad. But Stephen Bonnet, you know, he it's kind of nice to the baby. And you're like, oh, that's cute. That's nice. And then he just goes and, and pushes the kid off the moving boat. And then the mother jumps. Oh, my God. Just awful. Right. Um, I apologize for my English. Uh, for my English and bye. Nothing to apologize. No I, worries. Again, if anybody should apologize for their English, it's me. Okay. <laughs> uh, two things. Calling from Chile. Holy smokes. That's awesome. Number two. If you love Tobias Menzies, you want to see more of him, go watch The Terror. It was on AMC and it was a fantastic uh, miniseries. Watch The Terror because he starred in it. Hey, Mary and Blake. Robin from Virginia here, hey. giving my feedback on Down the Rabbit Hole. I fracking loved it. Blake, your man crush on Frank is so outstanding. <laughs> yes, girl. makes me smile from ear to ear. I think this season just continues to get better. Because I'm so in love with it, I am vowing only goods and greats from here on out. That a girl. No bads. Okay. So my good. The relationship between Bree and Joni is so sweet. I have a younger half-sister, not that Joni is Bree's half-sister at all, but it reminded me of our relationship. Their interaction is so kind and so loving and so sweet, and Joni looks up to Bree. It just gave me all the feels. My great. The Frank chapter is closed. And by that, I mean for Bree. She was finally able to say a proper goodbye, which now opens a piece of her heart for Jamie. That last scene with Frank on the docks, I think we can all agree, was the best tearjerker since Steel Magnolias. <laughs> you guys are the greatest. I love you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And way to, oh. way to bring it for the outstanding there. Yes. By your, a self-induced outstanding. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. And I you know, I got a chance to rewatch that Frank scene again right before mm-hmm. we were... Like, I teared up again. I know. I, like, it was, it was incredible. Hi, Marianne Blake. It's Kathy from Cleveland. Hey, Kathy. As a book reader, I've gone back and forth about this episode more than any other in the entire series. Six viewings, and I still don't know what I think of it. (laughs) But I have to commit for the sake of the podcast, so I'm giving it a solid four kilts. My good, the backstory with Frank and Bree really helped me understand where Bree's head is at. I do wonder if we'll ever learn how Bree connected the dots between that obituary and her mother. Stay tuned, I guess. My bad, Leary. It was an interesting choice, but far too much time was spent with her and Bree. At this point, Bree is more emotionally invested in Wee Joni than she is with her own family at Lallybrock. And my great, Ed Spillier's remains mesmerizing as Bonnet. Whether he's going all Jamie Lannister on that poor little girl or staring down <laughs> yes. Roger while he flips a coin, 
I cannot look away when he is on the screen. Which brings me to my last point. Blake, I distinctly remember your skepticism when Tobias Menzies was cast as Frank and BJR, but it didn't take you long to come around. Likewise, you expressed reservations about Jimmy from Downton Abbey when Ed Spillers was cast. Mary, I've been married almost 28 years, and here's my advice to you. Any man who can admit he's wrong is worth his weight in gold. He's a keeper. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work, and see you next week, surrounded by wrapping paper and ribbon. Has anybody seen the scissors? (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Mary. I'm worth my weight in gold. Thank you, Kathy. That just made my day. Made my day. Hi, Mary Blake. It's Sharon from Chicago calling about this episode down the rabbit hole. I'm going to give this episode a 4.8. I really wanted to give it a 5, but I couldn't because of my bad. So I'll jump right in. My good was seeing the gang back. Um, Frank, Leary, Ian. That was so lovely to see. Um, And it was even nice to see the buildings again in Scotland. My bad. So this brings me to why I gave it a 4.8 instead of a 5. It's the way that Brianna started out her journey. Right off the bat, she was wholly unprepared for a trip through this, the, um, the highlands. And I didn't, I didn't buy it at all that somebody could go through the stones with just a little dress on and a cloak with very little things in her purse, except a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She was going miles and miles and miles. And, and I don't understand why they didn't prepare her better with warmer clothes, um, a better map besides the, the ridiculous one they gave her with a sort of an X marks the spot sort of thing. <laughs> Indiana on it. Jones. Um, so, and then I didn't understand why she didn't ask Larry, where's Lolly Brock? Um, and I feel like they just used that as a plot device just to get her to see how um, Larry felt about Jamie. And we already know that. Um, so my great was Roger and his, um, the way he protected that little baby. Uh, it just shows us so much more about Roger that he's just got this wonderful heart and then he'll put himself in harm's way just to save someone else. And, um, just love the way he's going. Well, thank you, Sharon. I will say this, you know, Breeze being a little ill-prepared, it may shed light on her character right it may it may just be like she didn't anticipate walking through the mountains i mean like i know she sees where she ends up uh like when she goes to when she goes to craig nadoon like she knows where she is i think she's pretty well prepared right she has a lot of things on her we see her when she drops it all and yeah i, I mean i, I I think you can make an argument. She just back needs and a walking stick and an ace bandage. <laughs> all the all the ace bandages. Seriously. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Jenny Wells, and I am calling as a fan who didn't like this episode. I wonder if the reason I didn't like the episode is because I feel like I know too much, and it's affecting my viewing of the show. I wonder if I've fallen down the rabbit hole in all things Outlander between fan groups, podcasts, following the casting creators online. So for example, I knew Sharon Goss had written this episode and I didn't like the doldrums. So maybe I went in biased. This episode had her fingerprints. In the doldrums, there were nuggets like Claire saying the horse should get the bigger bed. And we had that in Down the Rabbit Hole too. My favorite line was Fiona saying, the stones did not call to me. But the other parallels were why I just can't get my head and heart around this episode. Both episodes had lengthy dramatization I didn't care enough about at the expense of primary character development. 
It was Bree's story as it related to Frank, and I can appreciate that. But for me, there just wasn't a lot of nuance or depth, like there was, for example, between Colm, Dougal, and Jamie in season one, where I was so fascinated by their dynamic, I wanted more. So that's my take. Thanks again, and have a very Merry Christmas, Larson family. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny, and appreciate your thoughts. I think it's reasonable to uh, to say that, you know... Th- there, if you didn't like Frank and you didn't like where they were going, and I also think it's reasonable to say, maybe sometimes as fans we all go down the rabbit hole a little too much. Agreed. You know, it it happens. Like we 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 have these notions and preconceived ideas, and like Shannon Goss writes this, it's gonna suck. I mean, or look at like, me, I complain about a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. You know, it's 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 ridiculous. Or like Karen Campbell wrote this episode, it's gonna suck. Right. Like not necessarily. Um. I, I think as engaged watchers, we pride ourselves on knowing everything and saying, I love this. I'm embracing it. It is mine together with collectively with everybody else. Uh, so I think it's fair to say that. And don't don't be ashamed of that. Hi, this is Leah calling from South Korea. I am a Whoa. longtime book reader, longtime listener and super fan of you guys and your podcast and a first time caller. Okay. I am riding that episode 407 horse into the emotional Frank on the Dockfield sunset with you guys. Ooh, <laughs> definitely my favorite of the season. No comparison. I totally agree with you, Blake. Last week, we got a lot of awes and that sweet moments, but very little content, no moments of remark, and no character growth or story growth. This episode, so many moments of remarks, so much character growth, even for characters not included on screen. That was a powerful journey this time with Leg Hair Gave Us. Did I miss Lallybrack content from the book? Yes, immensely. But because the scenes we did get brought so much depth and dimension to Brie and Frank's storylines, as well as Jamie and Claire's relationship, I'm very well contented with what we got. Okay, Roger and Bonnet. Again, Blake, I can't agree with you more. Roger was Roger. Whatever. Nice guy. No offense, Mary. But, you know, nothing special. (laughs) This section was all about Black Bonnet. Outlander feels like it's back because we finally have another horrifyingly sociopathic, sadistic villain for our heroes and heroines to fight against. The nonchalant way in which he pushes the girl out of the window, all the shivers. Love to hate him. The Frank on the dock, such a beautiful, powerful ending. Just perfect, as Mary says. All the feels. Okay, love you guys. Blake, keep your Outlander series coming. They're always Yay. the highlight of the week for me. Thank see you. See ya later. Bye. Hey, hey, see you later. <laughs> South Korea, by the way, that's that's a great place to go. We get all these international calls. I know. This episode got everyone all, all over the world, We globally. don't have anybody from the UK calling in this week. Uh, Well, we don't have anybody from the UK. Well, actually, yes, we do. Hello from the Highlands of Scotland. Oh. It's Kirsten Ling. I spoke on the episode. The flashbacks with Frank and Bree were actually a joy to see. It also raised further questions on Frank's apparent selfish decision to take Bree to Cambridge. Was he actually being selfless and protecting Bree from Claire's abandonment of her when she returns to Jamie? Frank also taught Bree the woodcraft and survival skills. No coincidence that they are essentials to 18th century life. The bad was Looney Tunes' lady. 
It was initially refreshing to see her in a caring, sane role before she became the unhinged bunny boiler. Pride comes before a fall, lass, so stop being so thrown. Do yourself a favour before you're eating rats instead of pigeons and take Ian's money. He's clearly loaded. He had enough to send Bree and a plus one to America. Agreed. <laughs> Roger and Bonnet. Roger may be dressed like Bilbo Baggins, but he was oblivious to the one ring, Claire's, on Bonnet's pinky. And the scene where Bonnet pushes the little lass out the windy was eerily similar to the Game of Thrones in season one when Jamie Lannister pushed Bran out that window heartbreaking that that little lass was imagining sea monsters and sharks earlier when Aww. all along the real monster was Bonnet who ended up throwing her to them Aww. that's all from me cheerio the freaking Bilbo Baggins oh and seriously yeah. she was afraid of like all the little sea creatures oh and the whales and did the... anyone else just sit there and like imagine what you would do you'd like jump in and hold her yeah and, and like and then you'd get eaten by a shark. Maybe she was like a Navy SEAL in training. Remember that guy that like the Navy SEAL that just like b- ripped parts of his pants and he tied them in knots and no. blew air air in it and that's how he survived? No. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He just ripped off part of his pants and his shirt and he and he tied it up, blew air in it and he helped that helped him float on the ocean. Stop. And he just floated in the ocean for like like weeks and then finally somebody found him and he was alive. I'm not kidding. And it, it happened. All right, here's the last one. Hi, Mary and Blake. It's Mandy here from Australia. I just finished watching the episode last night. Hashtag teenagers home on holidays. <laughs> Getting in my way. Anyway, I was pleasantly surprised. I'd read all this hype about how everyone hated it and I was really nervous and I really enjoyed it, surprisingly. Um, so my good was little Joni. Wasn't she gorgeous? How could you be so lovely with a mum that awful and her beautiful red hair? Oh. She's divine. And my bad was, I can't believe Stephen Bonnet threw that girl out the window. <laughs> I, I don't remember that in the book. And oh my gosh, I was shocked. And my great was beautiful to be back in Scotland, even though yes. they're in Scotland. But just to see that scenery and to see Brianna dressed like that, I was like, oh, she is a Fraser. Yes. It all came together for me. So, um, pleasantly surprised and I definitely cried at the end with Frank and I just and then I thought I really miss him even though I don't (laughs) thanks for listening bye (laughs) even though I don't yeah it's true it happens I love it so uh that is the end of all of our listener feedback thank you guys yes and one thing I wanted to say you know Blake in the previous episode you and I talked about how we wished that we were able to see someone preferably Roger have his experience going through the stones yes and like what that was like yes well a listener wrote in saying that actually he was supposed to do that, that it's in the script. Really? And if you go to com, you're able to read all of the scripts and see, you know, which scenes were deleted and everything. And actually what happens... According to the script that's published. According to the script that is published is um, Roger comes back. Fiona, like, sees him go. Oh, my God. Ciao, and Roger comes right back. And he's laying on the ground. Fiona's like, what's just happening? Are you all right? And Roger says... It's still now? How long was I gone? And Fiona says, you finished for a moment. And then Roger get up and he says, I was actually thinking about my real father. I was remembering a photograph I have of him and suddenly I was there with him and then I was back here. Whoa. So Fiona takes that in. Both of their minds are blown. Then an idea occurs to Fiona. She said, perhaps you have to think of the person you're going back for. That lands on Roger and he whispers, Brianna. And she says, I keep thinking it. Granny always said there's power in a name. And Roger says, um... 
you know, uh, I felt something when I said her name and it's still pulling me and he stands up and he goes back to the stones and he said, I'm going to try again. And, um, they realize that time is not a reality, but a concept or a measure. I know now what time cannot measure love. Wow. Or Fiona says that with him. Yeah. And then, uh, Roger says, Brianna, I love you. And he steps up to the stones and they realize that his gemstone is gone. Oh my gosh. And so she says, you need another gemstone. And she gives him her engagement ring then because he had gone, he was trying to go through with a brooch and she gives him her engagement ring and pushes it into his hand. And he's like, that's your engagement ring. And she said, you can return it when you bring your last one. (gasps) Now off you go. (gasps) Can you handle it? And then they focus, they were supposed to focus on Fiona's face as she watches Roger disappear (gasps) through the stone. Not showing Roger disappear, but really just showing her reaction. And uh, she actually then touches it herself, but nothing happens. Hey, that means they filmed it because you you see her in the in the in the opening. She so touches. Maybe the... this will be a deleted scene. Oh my god, they filmed it! I need to see this. I need it in my. I need it in my life. <laughs> oh, I'm like I'm tearing up right? just just reading it. Yeah. Oh. How do you cut that out? I don't know, but they did. Oh my God, how do you cut that out? By filling it with pigeon. Listen, if you wanted to take out some of the Leary stuff for that, or you wanted to take away some of uh, some of, some of uh, Brianna walking in the mountains, fine. That's That makes sense because it informs our character of Roger. And not only that, it, inf- it informs uh, uh, a little bit of Fiona too. She's willing to give this guy the engagement ring. Yep. And it gives a mystery about Roger's real dad and where he was and like he was with his dad and like, oh my God. Yep. How do we, how do we not get this? Maybe we will. Maybe we will. I really freaking hope so. All right, let's close this bad boy out. And remember- Stay after the music. We're closing it out, but stay after the music because we're going to watch the uh, the trailer. All right, you ready, Marvin? Yes. All right, uh, let's, uh, where where the heck is my- uh, Where's my closeout button? There it is. switch things up and start off by thanking our patrons first, especially those at the associate producer level. Angie, Carolyn, Celine, Cheryl, Diane, Heather, Jennifer, Lauren, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, Patricia, Summer, our co-producers, Barbara, Carolyn, Christina, Dana, Dieta, Janet, Keelan, Kirsty, Lisa, Liz, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Rita, Sharon, Sue, Tara, Tina, and Tracy. And last but not least, our executive producers, Anne, Bobby, Jen, Katie, Martha, Peg, Sarah. Thank you all so incredibly much for being patrons. And thank you to everybody who's made this possible. Seriously, OutlanderCastClan.com peeps, you guys are the VIPs. And uh, for that, we are particularly grateful. And that's why we're giving you the first lick at the uh, at the uh, finale. Lick, lick tickets. at the ticks. The lick. What was that again? The lick at the ticks. <laughs> okay. The just, lick at the tickets. Just, sure. There we go. Just okay. Just gonna leave that one there. there oh, okay. Probably just did something bad. I'm sorry, guys. Lick at the ticks. All right. Lick so, the ticks. Anyway, um, <laughs> guys, 
Thank you. Thank you for going on to your podcast apps of choice, yes. whether it's yes. iTunes or not, and leaving a written review. This is how more people who love Outlander find out about Outlander Cast. So Sarah1274 said an entertaining, insightful, and fun podcast. Ever since I discovered this podcast series last year, I enjoy listening to Mary and Blake's talk about Outlander almost as much as the show itself. They complement each other perfectly when chatting about opinions and content and talk about the series and more in a relatable way with such fun, enjoyable approach. I look forward to Tuesdays during the Outlander season because they point out details I would have never discovered and as a book reader too and bring so much context and artistic discussion to how the Outlander team has adapted and brought the show together. Definitely recommend for show watchers and book readers for another hour of Outlander fun. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. How many reviews do we got now? No. You, guys, you guys came out in force. Yes, I'm very, 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 very the happy. The clan showed up. And thank you, because now we have 520. Oh my goodness, that was more than we had this afternoon. Thank you, guys. The cl- the, uh, never Christmas underestimate the clan. Christmas came early, my friend. The clan rocks, you always... You just you take care of things. You rock our socks. You, you kill it every time. Thank you, clan. Uh, what do you say we get to like 5... Can we get to 540 by the end of the year? Oh, well, I, I don't... That's a lot to do during the holiday break. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. So don't worry. How about 539? That'd be <laughs> How about 540 by the end of the season? Uh, okay, I'm on board. Good. I'm on that train. Awesome. All right, Marvin, you ready to uh, say goodbye? Yes, and we're going to watch the trailer. So guys, stay together. Stay here. All right. All right, guys. Here so here, here, here's the here's the trailer. If you don't want to get spoiled, go into the next episode. Stop now, okay? So now we're gonna begin the trailer. And just as a reminder, we haven't watched this before. Can you make it large screen, Blake? So have you seen this lady? I'm sorry, I haven't. Oh, oh. change my look. Where did you get this? Insurgents. Yeah. Oh. Not Fitz Gibbons. Let's take our money back. Oh no. Let's go warn what you keep them occupied. I'll buy you as much time as I can. Oh dear. Do you know where I might be able to buy passage to Cross Creek? <gasps> I'd like to leave tomorrow. <gasps> okay. No. No way. No chance. Hold on. Let's go through this one more time. No chance. No chance what? There's no chance that Roger just happens to be walking by and Brianna's there and he hears her. I think that's edited. I think that's edited. Just like how last week was edited to make you think that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, let's go back. Let's watch it one more time. Holy smokes. Roger talks to uh, Fergus. That is great. And, he, and the kid's like, yeah, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. Like That's why I'm thinking that all this is edited a specific let's way. Let's okay. do it one more all time. Right, here, here we go. We'll have a little commentary now because we, already, we watched. Okay. Sarah, have you seen this lady? Excellent. I'm sorry, I haven't. Oh. Perhaps you'll change my look. Where did you get this? Okay, I'm pausing it. Yes. That was freaking awesome. I told you that they were going to run into each other. This is going to be bad news because Bree recognizes that ring. Of course she does. Oh, yes. This is in nothing Watch good. Watch out. Nothing good's coming out of her and Bonnet. Insurgents. They have a leader among them. Murta Fitzgibbons. Let's take our money back. Oh my gosh. Press pause. Okay. Okay, Murta, first of all, is totally Robin Hood. (laughs) You called it. I did. Let's take our money back. And he's going to bust it open and give it to all the people. Yes, and now now he's become such a a figure for the the regulators. He's Robin in the hood. um, That... 
he's the the governor knows him. Governor Tryon knows this guy. Like that's a big deal. And now Jamie, Jamie is now caught in the middle between Tryon and Murta. Unbelievable stuff. Good stuff. I'll buy as much time as I can. Okay, so what's this? What's this situation? I've got to buy as much time as I can buy as much time as I can. Uh, I feel like. They're at a fancy thing. This Claire's is like a season two kind of feel to me where Jamie is going to go play f- chess. He's going to go play chess and Claire is going to try to buy him as much time with Tryon or somebody or maybe he's going to go try to stop Murta and he's trying to ride off. I mean, I- I'm not sure yet, but uh, maybe he tries to prevent Murta from taking the money so that they don't have this kind of conflict that it doesn't spark this whole huge thing that's oh my, my guess something is going down next episode that we are not ready for no with i totally i totally i think he's gonna croak stop 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 we murta is not gonna see the end of this at the end of the season i can't stop he, i'm telling you he, oh he my God, he's no. croaking no yep. no yep do you know where i might be able to buy passage to cross creek i'd like to leave tomorrow okay all right all right so it they are in the same building, both Bree and Roger, in this scene. They are in the same building, the same color, walls, everything. The problem, though, is that it just, it doesn't, it, it's, no. It doesn't feel organic. I don't think that it's going to happen like that. I don't think that he's just going to walk by and she's there. Doesn't, no way. Because something, something is going to happen with Bonnet, and that's what's going to take her and remove her from the situation. That's going to prevent her from seeing Roger. Interesting. Or or maybe Roger does see Bree or something of the like, but he doesn't get there quick enough because Bonnet takes Bree away. Interesting. And that would build on the whole what Angela was saying, the bravery thing from Roger. Interesting. We'll see what happens with that. That's that's a good one. All right, Marvin. That's all it. Right, that's it, my friends. Well, I hope that you all have an amazing night. Just stay tuned. Next week's going to be wonky. We're just telling you already. Next week's recording schedule will be wonky. Yes. Tis the season. Um, you know, honestly, we can't promise anything at all on time next week. And, so. and one other thing, too. We actually have a surprise episode coming for you. We have a History of the Regulators episode just coming. Time. Just in time for this. So I will leave it to you. Do you want the History of the Regulators episode before yes. this coming episode? Yes. Or do you want the History of the Regulators episode coming after this coming episode? I think before because of all the tension that we just saw in this trailer. Okay. All right. Well, I think, but, I think that's what we'll do. Cool. All right, guys. I'm Blake. I'm Mary. And that's the end.